one of our theme words for this year has been become. And one of our theme questions that we've seems like we've returned to many times is asking ourselves and challenging ourselves, what are you becoming? And I think I, 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 I want to say that many have taken that to heart and that God is doing such a work in your life. I can think of individuals all through this room and all through this assembly, some that aren't here right now on this particular evening, but the God is doing such a work in your life of becoming everything that the Lord has in mind for you. And I want to dig into that a little bit tonight. Luke chapter 15, I'm just going to read several verses, but they're going to be the same passage of scripture that we were in this morning. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 says this in the New King James Version. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me, everybody say, give me, the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods or the husks that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, and then he started to rehearse. Have you ever rehearsed a speech before? Have you ever rehearsed what you're going to say to somebody when you get face-to-face with them? That's what he's doing. We can all relate to this. He says, when I see my father, I will say to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me. Everybody say, make me. Make me like one of your hired servants. I want to turn your attention in Scripture to just one additional verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11 says this. When I was a child... I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I want to read that again in your hearing. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood things as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man... I put away childish things. This morning, if you were here with us in the sanctuary, I was ministering about being a restored son and some of the restoration gifts that are afforded to us, a ring of power and authority, a robe of righteousness and forgiveness, shoes that offer stability and peace and direction for our lives. Tonight, I want to present to you a vision of not just a restored son, but a mature son, 
a son who is operating at full capacity of what the father has in mind for him. And I want to center our attention on just four words that appear in our text that we've read together. It's the words that we repeated to one another as we read, give me, make me, give me and make me. You may be seated. Give me and make me. It's a story like this one. It's been called by many the greatest short story ever told. Stories such as this one told by Jesus in Luke chapter 15 gives hope to us as we look at the son's restoration and we see so much of our own story. We see how he was restored to the father. He was restored into the father's house and he was restored back into the favor of the father. But there's something else to be said about not just a son or a daughter of God who experiences the restoration power of a father who loves them and is compassionate toward them, doesn't just receive that restorative power and experience, but also knows a thing or two about operating at full capacity as a son or a daughter of God, as one that desires to be full grown, not content to just be restored to where I was and to live at a base level and to experience the minimum of what God has for me, but I want to go further. We identified those shoes as something that when they are placed into your hands and laced onto your feet, they immediately identify on day one of being restored into the Father's house that there are still yet places to go in your relationship with God. God is looking for a generation, and I'm talking to everybody in the room right now because we are all alive and on the face of the earth today. God is looking for a generation who will say, I'm not content to stop with just restoration. I'm not content just to be restored in my righteousness and be restored in my status and be restored in my power and to have all of these things in name only. But I desire to walk it out on an everyday basis. I don't want to just be restored. I want to grow grow and develop and become mature in my relationship with God. And as sons and daughters of God, there is a dynamic that I see in this passage of Scripture and in the Bible as a whole that I feel like we together need to be spiritually informed about. Because if we will become informed about not just restoration, but maturity, it will literally change everything about your relationship with Jesus Christ. We see it in the son's very first remarks to his father. This was a speech that we don't know that he necessarily rehearsed. We don't get the rehearsal version of this speech. We just get it outright whenever he approaches the father and he says, Father, give me, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Father, give me what I have coming to me, what I am entitled to as a son of yours. Give me, give me, give me. And that is certainly one way, that is certainly representative of a way in which to live for God as a son or a daughter of God. And many people choose to live dominated 
by the verbiage and the mindset of God, give me, give me. It seems to almost be the default setting that we have whenever we approach God. The way that one chooses if they don't pause and make a conscious decision that I'm going to have a relationship with God that doesn't just have an element of Lord give me, but is dominated by give me. Give me is the spirit of the prodigal. Give me is attached to the spirit of lostness, of one who doesn't fully grasp the occasion of being a son of God. Give me will drive you in the direction of backsliding. I know that flies in the face of what sometimes we believe, but look at the story. The story tells the tells the tale. Because a young man approached the father and he was dominated by a give me mentality. And it drove him in the direction of backsliding. It was not spiritually healthy for that to be the primary native tongue of his spiritual life, to be give me, give me, give me what that entitlement mentality that he approached the father with. And someone's thinking in the room right now, what I thought when the Holy Ghost was dealing with me about this and saying, you know what, aren't we supposed to ask God for things? And yes, yes, we are. The Gospel of Luke says that ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So I want to go on the record and say it is absolutely appropriate to ask God and to make supplications to God. It is absolutely in order to go to the Father and to ask for things because the Scripture says that he will not withhold any good thing from his children. So to ask God for things and to have some kind of vocabulary in your spiritual life that talks about giving and, Lord, I need this from you. Lord, I desire this. That is absolutely in order and appropriate. But what I am talking about tonight is I'm trying to identify that there is a way in which we can do that that allows it to dominate and to become the primary or sometimes the sole only verbiage that we use in our relationship with God, and it is not spiritual. It's one way to be a child of God, but it is not the best way to be a child of God. If you never advance into maturity, what a tragedy that is. There is another attitude that needs to supersede the give me approach. If the give me approach is dominant in your life, it will shape your identity, and it will produce a prodigal spirit. Give me. Give me. Because it will gradually form you in two ways, and here's what those two ways are. It will cultivate, eventually, if it is the only language that you have for your spiritual life is the give me language, it will gradually develop in you a dominant attitude of selfishness. It will. The what's in it for me mentality. It's toxic. It's toxic. That's not the way of discipleship. We're in something right now. The topic we're in right now is more prevalent than we'd like to probably believe. Because we live in an age where everything is consumed. 
It's very consumer-driven. Even church, even spiritual life, it can be about what can I extract from this experience. We have to have another tongue, another set of language. We have, to, we have to allow that to be a part of our life because we do have a Father who delights to give us good gifts and who loves us and will give you things that are good for you. And there's times when we have to ask for that. But we have to advance beyond. We have to add a layer to that as sons and daughters of God. We must or it will, over time, shape us into a selfish person. And the other thing it will do is it will warp your expectations and drive you to disappointment when God doesn't give you everything you ask for. If the only interactions you have with God are give me, give, or if that's the majority of your interactions with God is give me, give me, give me, give me, he's not going to give you everything. Newsflash. I don't know how much experience you have in your walk with the Lord, but the Lord does not give us everything we ask for. And thank goodness he doesn't, right? Because I've asked for some pretty dumb stuff, right? I got a few amens. We're all being real here tonight. (laughs) And if our primary language with God is one of give me, give me, give me, We're gradually going to get warped by disappointment because our expectations are not always going to be met. And you're going to get to the, I'm just painting the picture for somebody. You're going to get to the place where you start to ask God, what's, you start to ask, what's wrong with God? Why isn't God answering my prayers? The dominant give me mentality is a symptom. It's very concerning. It's a symptom of discipleship that refuses to grow, refuses to mature, refuses to advance, refuses to develop. You stay in that that realm of give me, and we never grow in our relationship with the Father any further than that. Mm -mm -mm. The Lord will go to great lengths to get you to grow. He'll he'll go to great lengths, Brother Walker, to get us to grow out of that and into maturity. Because, hear me, that's his primary concern. That's God's number one concern is you making it to heaven, you growing into maturity in him. It's not your happiness. (laughs) It's not your convenience. Mine either. He's more concerned about my soul because that's the way a father does. A father doesn't, I mean, any parent, grandparent in the room knows that's the way a father or a mother behaves. So what's the alternative? What's the alternative then? What is a word of direction? Because I want to move forward. I want to do what the Lord expects of me. And it's in those other two words. It's in those words, make me, make me, make me, make me. Luke chapter 15, verse 18, he's rehearsing his speech. There's been a lot of water under the bridge since the first speech. The Lord paints a picture of an individual that had to go through some stuff 
to get him to this point. You don't always have to go through stuff like this, Brother Walker. Fact is, you can receive a word tonight, and you can avoid the pig pen altogether. Because the Lord would prefer that, but the Lord will see to it that you grow. Verse 18, he's rehearsing the speech, and he says, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against the heavens, and I've sinned against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. When life got a hold of this prodigal, he got in over his head. When he got overwhelmed because he had tried to do it on his own, he'd gotten everything he was entitled to. The Lord had given him and given him and given him. He began to crash when life got a hold of him. And it's at that point that he started to cry out with a new prayer. He said, make me, make me a person of God. Make me as a hired servant in my father's house. I would submit to you tonight that it wasn't that he came to us. It wasn't how bad the pig food tasted that turned his life around. But it's when he got a revelation of the new kinds of prayer that he needed to be praying. When he was able to transition and grow beyond the give me prayer. And there, and he found a new language for his relationship with God. And he said, I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to say, make me. That's when there was a breakthrough. That's when there was a turnaround in this young man's life. There are prayers that God loves to hear. There are prayers that God loves to answer. And this is one of them. The God make me prayer is a prayer that gets the attention of heaven. When a saint of God, when a daughter or a son of God reaches the place, no matter if life brought him to that place or if the preached word of God in a setting like this is able to grasp their attention and they get to that place and they say, Father, make me into what you would have me to be. All of heaven stands at attention because there are prayers that God loves to hear. That's the prayer that got everything turned around in that young man's life. There was a shift in his life. At that moment, everything changed in his life. Oh, if we had a prayer that said, make me. Oh, if we could reach the place as sons and daughters of God where our dominant prayer language was one of God, I yield myself to you. Make me into what you would have me to be. Make me holy. Make me generous. Make me a friend to somebody who's lonely. Make me a person of integrity. I want to be made into something as opposed to just receiving something. Don't you understand tonight, brother and sister, that something that is so much more valuable than anything that you could ever be given is what you can be made into. Certainly, certainly, beyond the shadow of a doubt, we can be given the gift of God's Spirit speaking in other tongues. But oh, what God can make of you Once that spirit dwells in you, 
something even more valuable than a first-time experience in an altar where you speak in other tongues and God pours out his spirit on your life is what he desires to do in you and make you into how much more powerful, how much more of a miracle is it that God wants to take what is broken, that God wants to take what is confused, and he wants to create something and make something of you. Oh, God. The Apostle Paul had a vision of it. The Apostle Paul wrote about it in Philippians chapter 3. He knew what it was all about. He knew what it was to have some things going for him in life. But he said, I count all of those things as rubbish. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, my Lord, whom I've suffered the loss of all things. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Are we talking about a prodigal who got everything he wanted in life and then it all evaporated before his eyes? I've counted it the loss of all things that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness. There's that word from this morning, not having my own righteousness, but there's been a new robe put on me that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Here, catch this, being conformed, being made, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I get stuck every time I read that on that phrase, by any means. By any, you know what that means? It means whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever you have to change in me, God. Whatever you have to reorganize or re-identify in me. Whatever you need to restore about my identity, God. Whatever you have to make me, that's what I want to be. That's what happens when you yield yourself to the hand of God. There is a tremendous power that is released whenever you yield yourself to the hand of God and you don't approach him with just the give me mentality, but you have another layer in your relationship with God that's being developed and cultivated cultivated, and it's the make me mentality. God, I'm not content just to receive from you, but God, I want to be made and shaped by you. This is the divine crossroads for every son of God, every disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to answer the call to that kind of sonship. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. I was constantly speaking and asking for things that I didn't even know if I really needed or not. I understood things as a child. I understood my relationship with God to be one where he was almost just like a vending machine for me, and I could just get what I needed when I needed it. I thought as a child... Every waking moment was about what I could extract from my relationship. How could my life be better for having served him, for having been called a son of his? But when I became full grown, 
I put away those ways of thinking. And I moved beyond giving to making. The question tonight that I would submit to each and every one of us is how far are you going to go with Jesus? The person who prays for God to make him something is entirely different from the person who only has a give me dimension of their relationship with God. How far do you want to go with Jesus? Can I give some real life examples tonight? I don't want to be in the abstract. I want to give some real life examples. So if you'd humor me and just bear with me for a moment. Instead of, God, give me a good spouse. What about, God, make me a good husband. Make me a good wife. What about instead of, God, give me good kids. What about, God, make me a good father. Make me a good mother. Instead of, God, give me a good job. How about, God, develop a work ethic in me. How about, instead of, God, give me good grades. Hmm. How about, make me into a self-controlled person so I can manage my time and study like I should. Hmm? Hmm? Oh, stomping on toes right now. Instead of, God, help me to make a lot of income. Help me to make a lot of money. How about, God, make me a person who can be trusted with resources and still be saved. Hmm? Let me give you a Bible example right out of the scriptures. Instead of, forgive, instead of just forgive me, God, how about create in me a clean heart, oh God? Do you see the difference that I'm talking about? Do you see how the first one is essential? We need, you got to ask for forgiveness. But do you see how the second one makes it more powerful and how much more preferred it is? That's where we've got to go. That's where we've got to go. That's where God is leading us to. Instead of always, God, teach me. How about God, make me teachable? Instead of God, give me favor. How about God, make me pure and holy. Make me into something that you can give favor to. Make me into something that you desire and you delight in blessing and showing favor to. Because here's what it's about. It's about the will of God. It's about the will of the Father. Philippians chapter 2, the well-known sentence that says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That story of the lost son, that story of the lost son, the greatest source of joy for everybody involved in that story, is when the son acknowledges and embraces the will of the father. When he says, Father, make me. If the musicians would come, here's what's surprising about that story. Here's what's powerful about that story. That you need, we all need to get our heads around tonight. We need to get our spirit around this. The son rehearsed that, that speech like <laughs> we all kind of testified that we all have done before. He rehearsed that speech, and he says, you know what? I'm coming to myself. I'm going to get up, and I'm going I'm to go back to my father's house. And when I get there, I'm going to find my dad, 
and I'm going to say, Dad, make me. He says, I'm going to say to my dad, "I've, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He says, make me. Make me as one of your hired servants. And wouldn't you know it? That as the story's told, and if you were in here this morning, you've got your Bible open, you can see it for yourself. That as the story goes on, he actually takes that step of faith and he steps out and he starts to go to that place and he traverses the distance from that far country back to the father's house. And as he crosses over the horizon, the father sees him and the father runs out to meet him and meets him before he even gets back to the house and embraces him. And the son starts out on his speech, and he starts to, he, start, he says, Father, I've sinned against you. I've done wrong. I've been, I, I'm not right. I've lost everything. And before he can even get his rehearsed speech done, the father cuts him off. He isn't even able to get through his speech. And the father says, just hold on right there, son. Servants, bring that robe out of the closet, and bring that ring off the table, and bring those shoes out of that box, and bring them out here into the yard for my boy. He isn't able to even get through his whole speech. You know what? He doesn't even say to his father, make me. He doesn't even get to that part in his speech when he's actually there with his dad. But the father knew what his heartbeat was. The father knew why he was there. Ephesians chapter 4 tells about not just a grown-up person, but I've, I've ministered it before. It tells about a grown-up church. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about not just a restored sonship, but we want to add a layer to that. Does anyone feel that in the Holy Ghost? I want to add a layer. I'm not, I'm not content. I'm not satisfied. I want to add a layer to that. I feel like we're... We, we feel that way as a, as a church. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. It says, And he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And he's talking about the body of Christ being built up and brought up into maturity. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That's not perfection like, like you know, no errors. and That's perfection as completion complete, the full-grown person, till we all come to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no more be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up into all things, into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The make me mentality is only satisfied with is, is only satisfied. The, the, the give me mentality is only satisfied with receiving. But the make me mentality embraces the word of God and the plan of God for his church and for your life individually because that's the fullness of what the Father has in mind for you. It's wanting to do what Ephesians chapter 4 describes for us, that every saint in the body is equipped for real ministry, 
because we're not so much concerned about what we can receive, but we're concerned about what we can be made into and what we can participate and contribute to. I'm not so much concerned about what I'm here to consume, but I'm here thinking primarily about what I can contribute into the body. And that's the dimension of maturity that God has for sons and daughters who will respond to him to let us go beyond just a language of give me and to do something so much more valuable that says, Father, make me. Let's all stand together right now. There is a tremendous power whenever you yield to God's hand. We used to sing a song that says, Lord, you can, if you can use anything, you can use me. I would just ask a question that maybe might challenge your spirit today. When was the last time you prayed a make me prayer? When was the last time? It's not a rebuke. It's not a condemnation. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. Because the father, the same father that was waiting with the robe and the shoes and the ring and the gifts and the restoration, that same father is looking at individuals all across this room and he sees you clothed with those things and he's got a holy expectation upon your life. There's a holy call of God that's upon your life because he knows your heartbeat. He knows your heartbeat. You're not satisfied. You want to pursue him. You want to be made into his likeness. You want to do, like Paul said, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, by any means necessary. Can we lift up our hands all over this place right now and respond in the spirit right now? And I want to invite you to come to the front of this room, if you would, and join me at the front and find a place of prayer at one of these altars. And I want to just give you a simple word of direction, and it's simply this. Would you just pray a make me prayer? Whatever dimension of your life most needs to be touched by the power of God, whatever dimension of your life most needs to be yielded and surrendered to him, would you, would you somehow respond to that in a personal way and say, Lord, I'm going to formulate that into a make me moment, a make me moment. I'm going to go beyond maybe just, Lord, forgive me, and I'm going to step into that dimension that says, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. There's an invitation of the Spirit all across this room tonight. It's evident by the way that so many are responding that what, I, what the Holy Ghost has ministered tonight is resonating in the spirits of the saints and the sons and the daughters of God. There is a desire, a deep hunger in the Spirit right now all across this room to all those that are responding that saying, God, I want to go deeper in my relationship with you. God, I want to go deeper in my walk with you. I'm not satisfied. I thank you, God, for every gift. I thank you, God, for every bit of restoration that's occurred in my life. I don't discount it. I don't look, I don't minimize it. But God, I, does, I see something else on the horizon. I see that I've got purpose. I see that there's a destiny for my life. I see that there's something you desire to do in me. There's a making process in my life. 
Come on, right now, you can make it personal with God. I gave some examples a little while ago, but maybe it's something entirely personal to you. Maybe it's something about a relationship. Maybe it's salvation related. Maybe it's something in your life that's just about your daily habits or your identity. It might be an identity thing. It might be, God, I've strayed away from who you created me to be. God, I strayed away from that stamp that you put on me when I was in my mother's womb, the plan that you had for me. God, I want to surrender that to you. Lord, it's been corrupted. It's been broken. It's been, it's been messed up by just life. And I'm coming back to you, God, not to just be restored, but to be reshaped and to be reformed and to be equipped for everything that you have for me to do.